Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. This week's shout out goes to our friends at DAS Outdoors. They are re-releasing their fabulous den kits in December, knowing that they would make a great Christmas present for kids and big kids who love the outdoors. Listeners to this show can get a 10% discount by using the code BC10 at the checkout. Visit their website for more details, dasoutdoors.co.uk. A link to the website will be included in our blog to accompany this episode. Hello and welcome to the business community on Calon FM with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. And this week, I don't think you can fail to notice that... um, Black Friday is upon us. It's everywhere. But it's it's not just Friday. It's a really bizarre sort of thing that's going on in my mind. It's like, it's Black Friday. But why is it sort of Black Week almost? Ten days. It? Amazon are doing ten days. Ah, black ten days. So what what are your thoughts on Black Friday, Heather? For, as both a consumer and as a business person, have you got any opinions on it? I think, uh, I mean, I've, I've done some research and I, I've listened to a couple of um, talking heads on this. And I think... It, it's online, you know, it's everywhere, it's online. There's some there's some debate as to whether actually the deals that we're getting are real deals. Yeah, I saw that as well. We're, uh, we're getting the wool pulled over our yes, eyes a little bit. Yeah, so there's a bit of a, you know, oh, this thing that last, you know, last week cost 50 quid, it's now, it now costs 35 quid, you know, and it's a price never to be um, repeated. And then probably after Christmas, um, they'll be selling them off cheap again, or yeah. they may have been cheaper earlier in the year. Um the thing where I'm really interested is around the high street because without any doubt the high street is you know is, is suffering at the moment uh, and the Black Friday thing it's really difficult for independent traders to get involved in it because yeah. essentially um, and, and Mary Porter who we've who, who we've reviewed in the past talked about in the past you know she was effectively saying you know that that's this is the time of year when most retailers, independent retailers, that's when they do most of their business. Yeah. So it's not, and the they time. don't want to be competing on price. No, surely at this no, point, no. It's, uh, and and actually, the high street rarely competes on price now. It competes on service. Um, so I think from a, the high street's point of view, it's it's a it's a misnomer, um, and I think you know, it just gives the online big boys um, a bigger bite of. The cherry that they've already mostly <laughs> eaten, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I got the same sort of opinion myself. Is I'm, I've never been a, a big advocate of um, price um, being the main selling point because we're, we're fickle things as consumers. If if you sell on price, um, say say you buy a nice big screen TV, and for Black Friday it's seven hundred and fifty instead of a thousand pounds. In our heads now, that TV's worth £750. How do you take people back up to the pre-sale price? Yeah, yes. And and I agree, the timing seems strangely odd in the UK because typically our sales sort of made sense. It used to be the January sales, it's the, the Boxing Day sales. Mm. And I've heard a few people saying that they would prefer the sales to be moved a bit further away from Christmas as well, just so that retail staff can get the holidays. Yes. Um, but... You know, Black Friday is that sort of year where you say they sh- they should be ramping up the sales when people should be wanting to buy for gifts because they you know they like what they see, not just because it's cheap. Yes, and and I think that, and it doesn't make so much sense. I know I was um, talking to my hairdresser this morning actually, 
And, and she was just saying, I know my daughter said there's a Black Friday sale in one of the big clothes shops and she was cynical about it. So I was like, wow, yeah, they all say that, don't they? And I think this, the consumers are probably starting to mistrust it anyway. It's like the DFS constant sale. Yeah, like, must end Monday. Yeah, it's never, <laughs> it's always a sale. So if you, it reminded me of Zig Ziglar, actually, we were talking about a few weeks ago and he was saying you don't treat your customers as morons and I think this whole Black Friday thing it's like well if they're going to buy the presents for Christmas they're going to buy them at one point before Christmas it's quite difficult to get people to buy extra things that they don't really need I think when it doesn't make sense whereas in January you can see oh well that maybe they're looking to sell off the stock that they didn't sell you know they got in in preparation for Christmas and they sell it off in January you know, just so they don't have to hold stock. That makes sense, I think, in people's minds. But I think some of the um, the feeling, certainly from the people I've spoken to, is it doesn't it doesn't really make sense to them, and they're being a bit cautious. I mean, for example, Amazon. You mentioned they've got their Black Friday deals. Isn't it just always the case? I've got loads of stuff on the wish list, things that I'm wanting to buy for gifts. None of those are in the Black Friday deal. It's always something else that we think you might like that's in the Black Friday deal. So, you know, if if I could actually genuinely get my Christmas gifts at a discount, then I'd jump on it. But, you know, I, I think I'm a bit sceptical as well. I, I try very hard not to be pulled in. And sometimes I am lured in by a deal or something I didn't know I ever wanted. But I do try and stick to, well, this is what I thought I was going to get. And if it's at a cheaper price, then great, I'll get it. Otherwise, I'm I'm not just going to buy it because it's uh, half price and I'm doing air quotes there that works really well on the radio. (laughs) Yeah, air quote. Yes, air quote. Yeah, of course, we have to remember that this is an American thing. Uh, and there are a few different um, stories as to how it originated. But essentially, uh, it seems to uh, hang around the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, which and is that it's a bit like our They don't celebrate well, bit, Christmas in, in quite the same way as us. No. Thanksgiving is a big celebration. So in it's the US. a bit like Boxing Day for them. Yeah. And, and it we, makes sense yes, to them. And we yeah. used to have the Boxing Day sale. So to actually bring it over here is a bit of a misnomer. But I think that a sale, you know, I'm from I'm from a generation when the only way you could get something in the sale was to physically turn up at the shop, you know, be queuing outside the door because there are going to be 10 colour televisions <laughs> as yeah. opposed to black and white televisions, you know, at a sale price. And, and it was first come, first served and all of that. I mean, at no point do they ever seem to be saying on on Amazon. I get no, we mention Amazon a lot. You know, there's only fifty of these available. Yeah, they'll they'll keep selling Echo Dots at thirty quid until everybody's bought one. If that's what they want to do. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's not clearing stock because there's a new version, dominance, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I I also looked up why it was called a Black Friday, and there, there are lots of different reasons given. But one that that I uh, that chimed with me because I'm an accountant. Um, is is on actually Wikipedia, so we can trust it or not. I haven't got a clue whether it's right, but I like the story. And apparently it's because a lot of the retailers reported their highest profits on that day, which is the day after Thanksgiving. And in traditional accounting, black would be for a positive number and red would be for a negative number. So Black Friday was when they recorded their biggest gains. So it's like... It was good good, from the seller's point of view, not the purchaser's point of view. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So it it 
tends to refer to the day after Thanksgiving and the black is, I like to think, because you're in the black rather than in the red. But yeah, I think the jury's out whether it is good. And certainly I'm I'm not convinced it's good for the small business owner. You know, they can't be competing on price. And and if they feel under pressure to actually offer a Black Friday deal, what, what is actually the benefit for them? And I think, you know, finding another reason for people to buy from you is surely better than just trying to you're never going to outprice the big companies that just want to put you out of business you have to find another thing that they can't offer to you and that certainly isn't the, a discount no no <laughs> this week we've got some uh, events for you and some news and i'm going to just stick before i come into the events that i've got for you i'm just going to stick with the black friday theme um because of the work that I do, I'm I'm subscribed to goodness knows how many different newsletters. You know what it's like. Uh, but one arrived today that I thought could be of interest to small businesses. It's um it's a Black Friday sale on professional diploma in developing and growing your small business. It's being run by the IOEE, which is the Institute of Entrepreneurs and something else. Um, I can't remember what the other E is for. Anyway, it's a 12 to 18 week course. Uh, It's distance learning. You get a professional diploma at the end. You get all of your study materials and it covers achieving work objectives and personal needs, marketing, promotion and social media, innovation and growth, leadership and management, finance and money and managing change in a business. It's designed for owner managers, CEOs and senior managers of micro and small businesses who are looking to sustain sustainably uh, and rapidly grow their established enterprise Uh, and I just thought it looked like a great opportunity it's normally £795 £595 plus VAT Um, and as I say you get a professional qualification at the end of it Uh, right a couple of events Uh, December the 6th in Liverpool uh, it's just a one hour um, session. It's 11.30 till 12.30. It's um, a lab which is uh, on Tithe Barn Street in Liverpool and it's a drop-in business surgery that offers free expert advice and guidance. It's free. It de- doesn't matter where you are, whether you're pre uh, or est- pre-startup or established and you don't need to book. You can just drop in and you'll get a chance to talk to people who've got a passion for business and are looking to help others. Uh, so, and they run monthly actually. So I'll put details of that one and then you can, you can pick up any subsequent ones. And then a networking one, uh, December the 8th, uh, the business breakfast networking event happening at SciTech Daresbury at the Innovation Centre. And it's a, it's a monthly networking group where a hundred or so individuals, uh, from the science and technology, uh, sector meet and network and share ideas and it just looked like if you work in if you work in the high-tech industry if you work in universities support organizations um, professional communities and you're interested in science and technology this could be a really interesting one for you as I say it's just a short event a breakfast event but it looks like a good networking opportunity. What have you got, Tracy? Well, they sound exciting. Um, I've got something um, from the ONS. It's oh, one yeah. of my favourite sites. I 
mention it on many occasions, but I've been keeping an eye on what they're publishing recently. And only yesterday they published a new report, Business Demography. I think that's how you say it. Demographics. Demography, I would. Yeah. For 2017. And it's the change in the number of UK businesses broken down by sector. And it's really, really interesting. Um, The main points um, to take from the report, which you can download in full, you can either download the the commentary on it, you can download the full data set if you want to do some analysis on it. But the key points are the number of UK business births has decreased for the first time since 2010 from 414,000 in 2010 to 300, oh sorry, 414,000 in 2016 and 382,000 in 2017 which is a a birth rate of 13.1% compared with a rate of 14.6% in 2016. Mm. The number of UK business deaths, uh, interesting birth and death, but um, it's increased from 288,000 to 357,000 between 2016 and 2017. So the death rate has gone up to 12.2% compared to a rate of 10.6% in 2016. I wonder if that's because people are going back into employment because the big spike was people setting up um, as sole traders and small businesses. Yeah. So I wonder if that's why that's happening. Yeah, it, it's interesting to know. It, now, the, the definition of a birth is um, a, a business that's um, been active during the reference year and the new business registrations during that time is a birth. And the the business death is defined as one who's ceased to trade and... Um, it's calculated from um, as a proportion of the active businesses. But an interesting point is the northwest, which we're sort of on the edge of here in Wrexham, um, is the region with the highest business birth rate at 15.9%, whereas London has the highest death rate at 14.2%. There's no reasons for these. You, you can come up with all sorts of theories, but this sort of information is quite interesting to know. I say this every time I talk about the ONS. If you're writing a business case or you're you're looking for um, some some extra material for a report you're writing. To back something up. Yeah, yeah to, to back something up that you're saying. It, fantastic material in here. Uh, and if you dig a little bit further into the ONS website, you can find some local statistics which are really, really useful. The reason I found these was I was actually looking for unemployment rates in Wrexham. So it was that we were doing an HR project um, looking at retention and recruitment and we were trying to work out, you know, so what what are we competing against here in Wrexham if you're a manufacturing company? So if you go to the ONS website, there is a section called Local Statistics. It takes you to a, a slightly different website, but it's still part of the ONS and you can find out so much and it compares Wrexham with Wales and with Great Britain and you can do any area so you can go and you can get all sorts of things so the types of things that I picked up is the population so the population of Wrexham is 135,600 of which it's equally split between males and females and uh, population groupings between 16 and 24 labour supply out of work benefits labour demand Different businesses. Now, this is an interesting little category. I've done a little snip on the research um, that I've found out here. UK business counts in 2018 in Wrexham, there were 300 and sorry, 3,665 micro businesses, so with naught to nine people, 385 small businesses, that's 10 to 49. 65 medium businesses, which are 50 to 249, and 15 large businesses. Right. 
and um, so micro businesses are 88.6% of the businesses in Wrexham. It's really important stuff to know when you're looking at who your target markets might be if you're offering business services. And that compares to the whole of Wales. Um, it's similar in the whole of Wales, 89.1% of micro businesses in the whole of Wales. Um, there's so many things that you can delve into there that I really would encourage you. And the best place to, to look initially is their publication schedule. We've put a link up for it before on, on our website and we'll do the same again. Um, but if, if, you're, if you're interested to understand the outside world and how it's affecting your businesses, your customers even, and, and, and the products that you might be offering to them, then I certainly delve into the ONS. It will cover the whole of the UK and make comparisons between different areas of the UK as well. And I think on that, what's really interesting is, of course, we're called the business community. Well, that suggests that the biggest part of the business community in the Wrexham area are sole traders or micro businesses. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking to you guys <laughs> and there's a lot of you out there. Yeah, you're in the majority yes. there. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So ONS will put the um, links to that and to the events that Heather's mentioned on our website, which is thebusiness.community. You're listening to The Business Community on Calon FM. And in this part of the show, we normally review a book or an app or an event that we've been to. And this week we're reviewing an app which um, I was introduced to by Heather and her husband. Um, I can't even remember why we were we were hunting around for something in a magazine. I can't remember where it was. And I'd never heard of it. And Heather said, get this, do this, have a look at this. And uh, I've been rather taken with it. The app is called Readly. I think that's how you pronounce it. That's how it? I pronounce it. Readly. And um, what it is, it, it gives you access to um, loads of... Um, and I mean loads of magazines, mostly special interest magazines. But then you've also got some of the um, like Sainsbury's magazine on there and some of the um, the other more um, broader spectrum magazines. But it has like puzzle books and fashion mag, all the usual. Yeah. yeah. So all the ones that it's decided that I want to uh, read. I, I don't know whether it uses some fancy metrics here, but it on the, on the list of things that I must look at are crazy cross stitch card making <laughs> classic <laughs> pop <laughs> crochet and model railway <laughs> they've, okay. got, they've certainly got me in a category and i'm not sure it's the one i would have put myself in however what you can do as well you can have a you can put your um, interests in and also you can highlight your favorites so what i've got in my favorite category are, are a few things to help with the show and and a few things to help with my waistline um so getting bigger rather than smaller i imagine so money week is on my favorites list um as is fortune magazine money wise and the fintech times uh, but also is uh, vegan food simply vegan on sainsbury's magazine um and you can read it on your phone. I find it much easier to read it on my Kindle Fire um, just because my phone's just a little bit smaller. My um, eyesight is perhaps not what it used to be. So I think reading magazines on phones, you sort of have to zoom right in, don't you, and then the page, zoom yes, out again. Yes. Um, but I found it really good. And there's, I think sometimes when you, you're not quite sure what you want to read or you're looking for a little bit of inspiration... You might wander into a shop and, and buy a, a paper version of something. 
but he might not read the whole thing. Whereas for me, this is a case of I can dip into a magazine without massive commitment and I don't feel like I, I do have to keep it and read all the way through it because I'm, you know, I, we've got the the ability to just pass on to the next magazine. Also, you can go to back issues as well, which is really useful. If you find a magazine that you really like, then you can just go on there and um, and scroll through and, and look for articles that you think are actually going to be relevant to, to what you're doing. So for, for us, researching for the show, some fabulous magazines that, you know, you, you can pick out some of the latest articles and opinion pieces that, that we use to inform us when we're doing our research. We do do research, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we do. I think that's how we know about this app. <laughs> <laughs> we must have been researching for the show. So what sort of things have you got in your favourites, Heather? Are you going to share? So, well, the one uh, I've got um, Time magazine, Ooh. which I like to look at. And the, add that. the latest uh, edition has got the best inventions of 2018. 18, which I think is very these are the business centric ones by the way because you can filter them out by okay. just You're not fashion prepared or... to share your personal ones well <laughs> I'm a little di- bit dis I mean it has um what is it recommended for you so it's recommending cosmopolitan um money week uh, a crossword book um it's showing me my new issues uh, of the spectator um what else have we got the spectator oh again money week the lady magazine i couldn't resist <laughs> i found my first job through the lady magazine um when i was 17 and moved to london so uh, i have a particular interest in the lady magazine it talks about stuff that's trending somewhat disturbingly it's showing me the most popular in the u.s and it's showing me that playboy magazine and maxim magazine are um I might want to look at, so I don't know where they're getting the algorithm from there. Uh, But going back to the business ones, so Time magazine, and you can read back issues of Time magazine to your heart's content. Uh, There's a magazine called New Business, which is tailored specifically to new businesses, believe it or not. Um, And there are some really interesting snippets and gems in there. But my favourite, favourite, favourite one um, is called Positive News. Oh, I've been reading positive news for years. I, I love it. I've never it. heard of it. Uh, it's a quarterly and it, yeah, it basically has positive news stories it in it. It used to be um, more like a newspaper. Right. And I first came across it in um, in a vegan cafe, actually, up in Chalton, come hardy, okay. all the cool cats go. Oh, um, and there was wow. this positive news um, magazine, uh, newspaper on the table. And uh, I, I was really interested in it because it's its aim is to only tell positive stories in yeah. a world full of uh, news that, you know, that brings you down. It makes you scared. Positive news is picking out the gems that um, ordinarily wouldn't get reported. Yeah. But I, I haven't um, had a subscription to it for ages. It's it When you get it as an actual hard copy version, it's it's um, it's on nice recycled paper, I think. So it's not not glossy sheets yes um, but it's I know what nice, you mean. not quite thick magazine it feels nice coming through the door it just to me it is exactly that that you, there is so much out there that you just think oh crikey and it it has you know it has little quotes sayings um snippets you know i've got the attention span of a gnat so you know a nice short story uh, about something that you, i then might want to go on and do a bit more research into uh it's yeah it's 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 a great read. I really, really like it. But I love the app because it doesn't really matter what you're interested in. You can... Well, if you're having a bit of downtime and you want to read Hello, then you can do that. Yeah. Or you can go straight back and read The New Statesman or 
yeah. the, the fine fintech news or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, there are 34 categories and that goes from boats to business to comics to education and knowledge. In fact, I don't know why I just re-enable that. Um, gaming, you, hunting and fishing, whatever. Uh, news, politics and current affairs. So it's it's a great way... As I say, I feel quite guilty if I buy a magazine because I think that they are often quite expensive, and it and it ultimately it is disposable, you know. Yeah. And okay, you chuck it in the recycling and it's gone, or you end up with a million copies filling up your lounge. This is, it, I, I just find it great. I just find it great. So it's not a free app. You do have to pay. Yeah. And um, but it's seven ninety nine a month, and you can have access to over three thousand magazines, and you can download them to your device as well. And you can have multiple users on that. So my husband and I pay seven ninety nine a month, and we both have got access to this. Well, you buy a magazine each, you've spent seven ninety nine a month. Yeah. Easily. Now, if only you could get the Harvard Business Review on there. <laughs> like, that's yes. one of the ones I really like. You can subscribe to Harvard Business Review, but I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Curiosity. It's like, oh, yeah, I want to get that magazine. It was like £19. And I, yes. for, the, for the life of me, I couldn't justify spending £19 on what looks like it's, you know, Cosmo. <laughs> yeah, well, perhaps we'll, um, perhaps we'll uh, contact them and suggest, hey, seen this? <laughs> <laughs> that really would be worth the seven ninety nine a month, wouldn't it? So the the app is called Readly, R E A D L Y, and it comes highly recommended if you want to read for business or for pleasure, and if you want to um, share the subscription with family and friends. This week, our business person of note is uh, the third richest man. In the world. In the world. The third richest man in the world. I think we've talked about the first, the, the richest The man. richest man, yes. Yeah. So we're on, yeah, third richest. Uh, he uh, was born in 1930 in Nebraska. And he started his, well, building his empire at the age of 13 when he started delivering newspapers. Um, and he filed his first tax return and achieved his short-term goal of having $1,000 in 1944. He gives away, has given away 99% of his personal wealth. He is businessman and philanthropist Warren Buffett. Yes, Buffett. Buffett. <laughs> Buffett. It's not Buffet. I no, got attached to the whole I idea like of he's a sausage rolls. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, yes, he's worth, um, well... As of yesterday, I went on to the Forbes website, which handily keeps a minute-by-minute minute track of these people's of wealth. Yeah, <laughs> He was worth $87.6 billion. Now, I, I did a quick calculation um, on Excel because it was too big for my calculator. Oh, not enough notes. No, not enough notes. <laughs> so to earn $87 billion over 77 years, I did, because he's... Uh, he's been working since he was, um, well, you say, 13. Yeah. Um, so in order to be worth $87 billion, he would have had to have earned $1.13 billion every year and not spent any of it, which is $94 million a month, which is $3 million a day. Oh, my goodness. And that's with not having spent anything. Oh, my goodness. That's... It's hard to imagine that sort of wealth, isn't there it? There are Countries that aren't worth that much. That is, that is incredible, incredible. 
absolutely amazing, isn't it? And I think it's mind-boggling when you think about numbers that size. And even if he gives away 99% of his fortune, yeah. he's still a very, very rich man. Really interesting. He first came to my attention many, many years ago. And I was uh, with a, a group of friends. We had an investment club and uh, they were popular 20 yeah. 30 yeah. years ago yeah. where you all got together as a group of friends you put some money in and you invest it in stocks and shares with the idea that if you make some money it's a bonus it's a bit of a social event you never invest more than you're prepared to lose and and it was great fun for us and uh, Warren Buffett was one of these guys that was mentioned for the um, the exact reason that investment clubs held him in quite high esteem for value investing Okay. and what that meant was that he his whole um, investment philosophy is looking for businesses who are undervalued on the stock exchange compared to their actual real value. So I don't know if you know it sort of in, in finance. You, if you're floating on the stock exchange with, with shares, there, there are two sort of different values to your business. One is the value that all of the shares multiplied by how much the share price is at the time. And that's value on the stock exchange. And then there's the value of all the fixed assets and um, short um, current assets that your business has got. So your balance sheet value. Mm -hmm. And what he looks for is companies where, for example, there's been a profit warning or, or some, some bad news come out of the business and their share price falls so that the actual value of the business held on sort of in shares is less than the value of the actual real oh, bricks and mortar business yeah. and so what he does then is buy up loads of those cheap shares to own so essentially he's buying cheap okay. he's buying yep. the bricks and mortar yep. businesses and and that's called value investing and that's part of the stuff that we learned with the investment club you go to the workshops and and find out how to do this or read little um, workbooks on it is is how to spot these changes in in the share price which take it under the actual bricks and mortar value so absolutely fascinating now on the back of this one of my friends in the investment club as a christmas present bought me um warren buffett's biography and it's it's about three inches thick. Really? And I have to admit, I've never even opened the flipping thing. Do you use it to wedge the door open? <laughs> it is a bit of a bookend. And and it wasn't because I was necessarily ungrateful, although that sounds awfully ungrateful now I'm saying it. I don't tend to read biographies much anyway, but I regretted not having read it when I was doing the research for this. It's either. Oh, I, but I wasn't going to, to plough through the whole book, but... Just so you know, if I really wanted to know Warren Buffett, I've got a three-inch thick book I could read. Should I tell you what I did? What I, did you do, I, Heather? I did did the, you Google it? I did the Google thing, but then do you know what I, what I did? I, um, I was home alone last night, and I thought, right, I've done my Google research, and I found out a few things about Mr. Buffett. Um, and I lay in bed, and I asked Alexa to talk to me about Warren Buffett. Oh, what she, a clever idea. So did she, she basically know? was... Yeah, she kept... You know, I tend me. to ask Alexa to do a fart or to meow. Or sing a, get her to sing you a song. That's that's a good one. Recommended well, to I'm me glad by you Williams. asked Alexa to tell you about Warren but Buffett. It was, really, it was quite an interesting way of doing research, actually. Um, but one thing she didn't mention that I had found out all on my own is that his sister, Doris, um, runs, with his support, I think, um, something called the Letters Foundation. And I took a look at that, and it, it has its own website. And essentially, it is it is um, 
and op- people write a letter when they are when they fall on hard times and and they basically write a begging letter now i know that sounds a little bit um uh, cruel but actually they talk about some of the cases for people that they've helped and it's not about you know I really feel like I should be living a rock star lifestyle. Can I have a million dollars? Because you, you earn three million dollars a day. So what you wouldn't even notice it. It's people who, you know, they may have struggled and then somebody stole their car. So all they need is a car to totally put their life back on track, not turn them into millionaires. Yeah. Uh, it's a really, really interesting website. Um, and I think that he's not really a businessman. He's an investor. Yeah. And that's... You know, that's it. So he's famous for being very clever with money. Although he um, he owns, um, what do they call themselves? Berkshire, Berkshire Hathaway. Hathaway. I think they call yeah. it Berkshire in America. Berkshire Hathaway. And that is a, was a textile company. But then he turned it into a sort of... It's a holding company. A holding company, company now, yeah. yes. Yeah. Because I was trying to find out where did he start in terms of... You know, what's his thing? What's his industry sector? And his industry sector is money. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, I read an, a number of different things about him, but he, he was convinced he was going to be rich. You're reading about the stories about how he he's frugal, but he, he knows how to use his money. So he lives in the same house that he bought for $31,500, you know, a five-bedroom house. So uh, he lived in the YMCA when he was at, at business school to save money. But it's just the way that he invested at the right time. He, he bought a farm to help him get through university. He, bought, he had $2,000 that he'd saved by the time he was 15. He bought a 40-acre farm, hired people to work on it, which then paid him through university. So he's got some get-up-and-go, yeah. this guy. Yes. And, and he's done it for a long, long time, and he's invested in the right sort of things. There's so much about him, if you Google. There's quite a lot of negative stuff as well, you know. So I, I, I flick through a few things where, you know, they're saying, you know, it's... Um, He's not a nice man and, you know, his investments, are the dirty secrets behind his investments. But I don't know about any of that. One of the things that did stand out was that, that you do a Google search and, and I often just put in the name of the person that we're researching and see what Google Auto fills it with. And, and right towards the top of the list, Google came up with Warren Buffett's diet. It's much talked about, what? his diet. Um, he drinks sugary soda drinks, um, junk food, doesn't have vegetables. Um, apparently drinks five cans of sugary Coke a day. And he's, he's 88. He's 88, yeah. <laughs> it, but it, it's amazing He's full that of preservatives. That's what clearly is. is. But the other controversial thing that I came across was um, his granddaughter was involved in a documentary. She was just interviewed. She was a talking head in a documentary, um, which I actually watched most of last night. So you you were doing your research listening to Alexa. I was doing my research watching YouTube. Seems fairly normal. Yeah, yeah, and this says, documentary yeah. is from 2006. It's called The One Percent. And it's by a, a young man called Jamie Johnson, who is um, part of the Johnson & Johnson fortune he's part of that family and it's really really interesting he's he's talking about the top one percent of americans in terms of wealth who control 42.2 percent of the total financial wealth that was in 2004 i think the one percent actually own a bit more now Uh, but he interviews a lot lot of different people including 
Nicole Buffett, who's the adopted daughter of Warren Buffett's son. And apparently after she was involved in this film, he publicly disowned her. He wrote her um, a letter and said that he doesn't recognise the adoption and that she's not part of the family anymore. And there's there's all sorts of commentary on that. I, I don't have a comment to make apart from that's interesting. Mm. You know, the, I watched her little bit in the programme and I don't think she said anything too controversial, but you don't know the full story behind mm. it. Mm. Um, but the other people that he in- interviewed include Milton Friedman, who's the economist that came up with the phrase um, trickle-down theory. Okay. Which is much discussed at the moment as that actually does much trickle down. He interviews um, Bill Gates Sr., the father of uh, the Microsoft founder, Bill Gates, and Adnan Khashoggi. Do you remember that name? It's a bit of a blast from the past. International arms dealer. Oh, gosh, yes. Yes. It's really worth it. It's free on YouTube. It's called The 1%. Uh, and it's it's quite an eye-opener, pretty much like uh, earning £3 million a day and, and not spending any of it to get to the same sort of mm-hmm. net worth as, as Warren Buffett. But he's known as the Oracle of Omaha. So he's and he's he's classed as being one of the most successful invent, investors of all time. He is well. Um, his comments um, are well um, documented, uh, and we do like a quote oh, we uh, do. on this show. So um, can I have two? I've got two as well. Go on then. Let's okay. go. All right. I've got one long one, uh, and based on what you've just said, I'm not entirely sure. It might change my view of this, but the big question about how people behave is whether they've got an inner scorecard or an outer scorecard. It helps if you can be satisfied with an inner scorecard rather than uh, internal external referencing. And um, and of course, um, this next one, he says, price is what you pay. Value is what you get. And that ties in really neatly with the Black Ooh. Friday stuff that we've been talking about. Oh, you're so clever. I don't know. It, it only just occurred to me then. Uh, what quotes have you got? Okay, so I've got a long one and a short one. So here we go. The long one is somebody once said that in looking for people to hire, you look for three qualities integrity, intelligence, and energy. If you don't have the first, the other two will kill you. You think about it, it's true. If you hire somebody without integrity, you really want them to be dumb and lazy. (laughs) (laughs) And the short one is, no matter how great the talent or effort, some things just take time. You can't produce a baby in one month by getting nine women pregnant. (laughs) And on that note... I think that's about all we've got time for today. So do tune in again next week for the business community on Calon FM. You've been listening to the business community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.